friends. Thanks for listening to the Creative Road Podcast presented by Show It. On a recent road trip, the owners Todd and Elisa Watson traveled the United States interviewing successful creatives around the photography industry at each stop along the way. These are the stories of their creative journey and a behind the curtain look at how they constructed the brands we know and love today. Our hope is that you find a seed of inspiration from their stories that helps to cultivate the creativity that exists inside of you. Enjoy. All right, Sean, can you tell us a little bit about what it is that you do at KISS? Sure. Um, KISS has been around for 11 years now, and I started out as uh, mainly the product guy and also did a lot of like marketing and on-the-road sales and things like that. And about seven years into it, I became the first CEO of the company and since then have become the sole owner and kind of just running the whole thing. Great. And prior to your work at KISS, you worked as a photographer, is that right? That's correct, yeah. In, in wedding photography? Mm-hmm. Mostly wedding photography. I did uh, that for about 15 years. It overlapped KISS quite a bit. Um, it's just been a few years now that I haven't been shooting weddings. But yeah, I shot about uh, 500 weddings, Southern California area mostly. And um, yeah, I did that for 15 years. And did your work as a wedding photographer sort of inspire your work at KISS and what you guys are doing over there? Yeah, absolutely. Me um, and some photographers just um, noticed that this was a, a tough part of the industry, was um, ordering the album. And I did a lot of weddings, 50 or 60 a year. And yet, like all my clients got albums, but it was such a pain point for me that um, me and, and um, my business partner when we came together, that, that was what we saw as like the biggest issue was just trying to get to that book. We loved getting a book for all of our clients, but it was one of the tougher parts of, of our business. So yeah, that's really what inspired it was just solving that problem of simplifying the, the system and um, even simplifying the amount of, of products and things like that we offered to our brides. That's great. Now, would you say that you have always felt like a quote-unquote creative person because you find yourself in a creative industry? Have you, would you have described yourself that way from childhood? Yeah, um, I always uh, played music since I was really young and um, did like orchestra and things like that, but uh, definitely loved uh, playing drums and even played up until about a year ago. Um, really taking over 100% of the company and stuff like that has just added a lot of pressure. Um, and it was one of those things as I was reading Essentialism that I had to give up for now. Um, but I love music. Uh, my mom is a very talented um, artist. Um, she paints in oil. Music has always just run through our family's blood. And um, yeah, I would definitely explain myself as a creative. What I am grateful for, my dad's always been an entrepreneur. And so as a creative, a lot of times entrepreneurship is not something that comes racing in. But being around it so much, I was able to have this, what I think is like a beautiful combination of the two. Yeah. Because it's one of the things that is so hard is to like, as soon as you start to bring business into creativity, a lot of times it feels like the art starts to go away. Mm-hmm. Yes. So have you had jobs in the past that didn't tap into your sense of creativity? I've had a lot of jobs, um, and there's definitely kind of like earning my keep as a kid. There was a lot of things that I think people would see as non-creative things, whether it was like working for a pizza joint or 
or a restaurant or something like that. But I tended to always like love the relationships there. And creativity can be seen as so many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but even when I made pizzas and things like that, I still found ways to, to make it creative. And, and then when, when I felt, when I wasn't inspired in that side of life, um, you know, I had music. Or I had something that I can do either with the people there or turning um, the space into a creative space with like music or something like that. Yeah, that's great. Do you feel like there was any big takeaway from those kinds of jobs you just described, uh, things that you learned from those? Hmm. I think it um, takes like a, a specific type of person to really like see creativity in anything. And of course, like to sit down and play drums is, is a major outlet for me in, in creativity and like taking pictures as a photographer, but there's so many other things. You know, there's different types of, of mindsets or the way the brain works, like scientific people and doctors and things like that. It doesn't mean that they're not creative, you know? So I, I think big takeaways from that was to like see creativity um, in all of those things. And I think like having a good combination of creativity along with um, other emotions and things like that, seeking that out in different types of work. I mean, there's seasons of hustle today that, that um, I, I hit the ground running. I love what I do, um, but there's certain areas of the business that um, don't don't have a lot of creativity in it, and those need to get done. You know, mm-hmm. I either surround myself with people that can help me with those things, or um, outsource it. You know, hire somebody that can do those things, um, or really just dig in and and learn and kind of like seek creativity through other things as I do that work. Yeah. Now, for some people, engaging in the creative process is more of a self-discipline, but it sounds like for you, it's really an outlet for you mm-hmm. that you enjoy very much. Yeah, that is, that's a side of things that I love, you know, and I've, um, I remember a time when we were looking for a home to buy, I took my wife to a place, when we were living in Southern California, I took my wife to, like, this loft, very creative to me, and it was, it was kind of a concrete box, it was back when I liked modern, a little more, um, concrete modern um, mm-hmm. dwell magazine um, and I, I took her there and I said hey you know I know we're looking for a house don't let this freak you out I know we're not going to live here but this is the type of space that I can thrive in that I can create that I can build business and things like that so I just want a space that's kind of like this yeah. um, but I don't need the whole house to be like this and so I tend to to look for those things like later today I'll, I'll go to a shared workspace that I know I can you know as I'm doing phone calls or you know, finance or things that like don't tend to have a ton of creativity in it. I, I try and surround myself with it. So that is a side of me that I know I really seek to have, and it is it's easy for me to implement it in my life for sure. Yeah, yeah. Now let's talk about your brand a little bit mm-hmm. over at Kiss. Uh, Seth Godin defined a company's brand as essentially a set of expectations and relationships that cause someone to choose you. Mm-hmm. So based on that definition, how do you want people to feel about your brand? Yeah, that's a great question and a great way of putting it for sure. Um, I think when somebody visits KISS, wherever they find us, I I really want them to want to stay because it does connect with them. Um, I've built this business on relationships and that's our goal is to continue to invest in relationships. 
and the way that I want them to feel is knowing that we serve them and we love them kind of through what we do. Um, you know, we build a very handmade product, but more than anything, I feel like we serve photographers and we serve their clients, not just through our product, but through the visual side of things. As, as people look at it, I want them to want to stay, you know? Um, that's how we build our home is we want people to come in and feel comfortable and want to stay. You know, I like things like bourbon and wine and, and things like that, but it's because of the conversations that you can have over that. Mm. Same thing with my business. It's like I, when we, we just redid our brand in the last couple of years, which is a massive undertaking, but I, I wanted to love it. I wanted our team to love it, but I really wanted it to create like these, the, a space for us to just have conversations about their art, about what we create. You know, there's a lot of information so many times on brands you're getting to, to learn about somebody, you can sit there and read page after page after page or press a button and watch play. But for us, it matters a lot that they want to be a part of that. They want to stay. They, they can start to feel the culture. And it's, it's based on relationships. Yeah, I love that. And Todd and I could attest to the fact that you and your wife really do portray that kind of warmth and hospitality in your own home, and I think that really is true. That's spilling over into mm. your business Thanks. also. Um, so how about the actual details of your brand? How, how would you describe your brand? What does it look like? Um, think about your website mm -hmm. even. What are the colors that you use, the fonts? How did you arrive at those choices? Yeah. Um, when we first went into it, what I know I do well is find people, put them in the right seats for them, based on their skill sets, personality, things like that. And then my goal is to create a space for them to thrive in. And that's like setting the temperature, setting the space, knowing uh, and understanding what, what creative, uh, creative outlets they, they seek and trying to build a space for that. And it was the same thing with this. I'm not necessarily the target market, but I wanted to love what came out the other side. So it was really a fun process, like building the team to, to do this, because I knew it wasn't gonna be like, this is what I want because it wouldn't have been everything that it needed to be for the entire industry. And so the people that we hired to do some of it for us, and then internally, um, we really sought after the people that we knew like cared for the heart of the photographer. A lot of them were photographers. And so we're like, what are brands that you like? You know, what type of clothes does, does this, this person wear and things like that. So we really went, um, I love, I can literally go to like, restoration hardware, and that could be my like shared workspace. I can create there. So I love that um, French country um, type of feel and the colors that they use. I mean, they have very modern versions of it. They have their outdoor section, and then they have, you know, kitchen and all those types of things. Um, but we, that we kept coming back to that. So a lot of the colors that they we're going with our very like warm, natural colors yeah. is what we ended with. And a lot of the, you know, in our style board or, uh, you know, the kind of like parameters that we live in even today, fonts and all those things, it was just like looking through those and other brands that are using similar things and, um, and picking from those. And still to this day, like I'll pull up that, that board and look at it and I'm like, I just love so much about this. You know, there was some handmade things in there with like aprons and things like that because we're a handmade product. Mm. Um, but so much of it just leans to the artisan. Um, and even if you go to the warehouse, that's how it feels. You know, it's very hand done, but we care for those people and how they're building the book, the space that they're building the book, the, the tools that they're using, that's an art in and of itself. 
And so we wanted to combine all that without like being too masculine, mm -hmm. um, but understanding that it's a very handmade, you know, product. So I love how it turned out, um, but it was really like a team effort. There wasn't any one person that was like running it. Of course, we had like a creative director and things like that, but um, they really just kept us kind of like in an area when we needed to be to, to kind of like finalize it. Yeah. And you said when you look at the boards that you created for inspiration, you still love that. Like, do you, do you feel like you've stayed fairly consistent over time with that sort of image? Yeah. I mean, when during the process, we lived, there was no box to put us in. That's what I think was wonderful about it is to create a brand especially. I mean, it is a massive undertaking, whether it's your first time and almost harder, I think, when you rebrand because what has changed in order for you to want to rebrand? You know, for us, we just wanted to warm it up. We, we looked more like a tech company than we did a handmade artisan company, mm -hmm. and we wanted those to mesh a little bit more. And so we dreamt, and that was a beautiful thing, to allow the whole team. It takes, like, confidence and creativity and a, a team of, like, people that trust each other. Because, I mean, can you imagine putting something out there and then it just getting, like, crushed? It, it just like makes you not want to dream out loud anymore. And so we knew that there was nothing that you could say that wasn't going to be beautiful or uh, for, you know, I could, I could say I don't really like that or it may not be the direction we want to go, but it's still like, that's so fun. Like, how'd you come up with that? So the team was able to like dream outside the box. And then as we kind of like honed it in, now we fit it in into our box. Like that's our, that's our board. So when we look at it, it doesn't matter if you're on social media or on our site or on you know whatever blog or outlet that we use to market. Um, it all ties in really close to those parameters now, you know. But it doesn't feel confined. It feels like that's exactly what it's supposed to be every single time. So it's just consistent now. But yeah, we definitely stick with those consistencies. Yeah. Well, and my next question was going to be where you look for inspiration mm -hmm. for your brand? And you mentioned restoration hardware mm -hmm. is a big one. Are there others that you looked at for inspiration? Um, we, looked, um, we looked at like West Elm and a lot of other stores um, because of the conversation piece, like what, what types of rooms would you want to sit in mm -hmm. um, to view these types of things. But we look at other photographers and kind of like what's going on in our industry, um, our ambassadors, um, styles of weddings, you know? And so it, there was areas of the world that we were really drawn to, like Italy, Greece, those types of things. And again, it's like a culture that revolves around conversations and food and, and fine drinks and things like that. That's what all of us just continue to be drawn to, you know? And so definitely like photo inspiration through um, ambassador of our, uh, ambassadors of ours and um, specific types of, of dresses and things like that, like specific styles of weddings. We looked through a lot of that and still do, you know, that's, we choose to kind of like, work with a lot of different types of ranges of photography styles, but there's still ones that really line up well with kind of what we do. And so there's a lot of times where we'll have product or something that we're launching new. So we send it to the photographer that we think will line up lighting wise or whatever with our brand. Yeah. Now you mentioned the book Essentialism earlier. Is that mm -hmm. a book that you would recommend? And can you tell us yeah, it's, about it? It's still my top book. I, I read a lot. I'm reading four or five books at a time and finish one every couple of weeks. Uh, my wife um, has quoted Essentialism a lot, and I heard her this morning listening to it for the first time. Mm -hmm. But she's heard me talk about it a lot. In the last few years, um, I've read it you know, four or five, six times, whatever it is. I read it at least once or twice a year. And um, I, it's, it's a high, 
highly recommended book for me for sure. The word essentialism you would think is like minimalist or something like that. And that's part of it, but it's not this like you have to live in a tiny home and get rid of everything. It's more about like margin. That's, that's what pursue simple means. That's like our hashtag, our tagline is to pursue simple and is to create margin in your life and focus on the things that matter most to you. One of my favorite quotes in the book is about priority. Priority is um, only became plural um, like in the 1400s. So it was like priority was it. There was no such thing as priorities. Huh. And that's, that's where my wife was in the book. I heard it because it was audible. So I heard her listening to that part this morning. And he goes to this company and he's trying to help them understand what essentialism really is. And they have 18 priorities. And he goes, well, I want you to come up with the top five. And he gives him like a week to do it. Well, this project manager goes and comes back with 17. So they've only gotten rid of one. And they're like, he's like, that is the, that's the problem right there. It's, it's hard to have a priority when you have 18 of them. Mm -hmm. And so what is the next best thing or the highest priority? Um, that's to create margin in your life to focus and do that one thing is like you, you see so much more um, growth and legs on that particular project because of focus, it's hard to find that nowadays. To be busy is like a good thing. Like, how are you doing? It's like, I'm busy. It's like, oh, that's great. And right. it's like, is it really? Like, what about creating margin so that like specifically to creativity, what you're talking about. If you have margin in a project like rebranding or like musicians, giving them a deadline like can crush a musician because they want to just create until they start to get onto something. And then you can start set, it, set deadlines and stuff like that. But to have the space to go do this, like if somebody said, hey, you know, it's, it's, it's um, August or so, it's September right now. You have till Halloween, you have till October 30th to get this done. I would be like, we have a massive undertaking to do and I don't even know where our logo is going to be. It could take me two months to get onto a logo or something like that, you know? And so I think the essentialism, the, the mindset of it is like what, like plan your life because if you don't, somebody else or something else will. The pressures of life will come in and plan life for you. And that's what I love about it is it just creates space for us to create, for us to invest into relationships, for us to focus and, and make, see growth and movement in the things that we want to. You know, there's so many things in this life that are out of our control. But those things that we can control, it's like, we need to prioritize those, and that's really what the book's about. Yeah, and who is the author of Essentialism? It is uh, McCune. Um, the Audible, he reads, and he has this great accent, so it's, it's fun to hear him. I've heard him interviewed and things like that. I'm actually I'm not sure if he reads it, but um, I've heard him interviewed multiple times and stuff like that. He's just fun to listen to as well. Greg McCune. Okay, that's a great recommendation. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you for your time and sitting down to talk with us on our RV. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, my pleasure. We hope you enjoyed listening to the Creative Road podcast presented by ShowIt. If you've ever felt stuck when designing your website, ShowIt is a drag and drop web builder that gives you the creative freedom to design a site the way you dream it. Start your free 14-day trial today at showit.co.